The information presented in this program is not intended as legal, health, or nutritional advice. All topics are provided for informational purposes only and are not necessarily endorsed. Neither Light On nor its host accepts responsibility for any statements, views, or opinions presented in this episode. All rights reserved. It feels like all our heroes are counterfeit. We all know why. Because it's painful not to pretend. The world itself is just one big hoax. Welcome to a Light On Podcast. It's me, your friend Patrick. This podcast is a little impromptu. I threw it together sort of last second after some things dawned on me. It dawned on me that there's an element of this whole COVID-19 thing that maybe we haven't explored fully. And I wanted to put some stuff together and not come to any conclusion necessarily, but maybe it will make some people think and maybe we can discover more about this whole thing than than we thought we knew. So this is information that I learned in 2020 and kind of didn't know what to do with. So I pretty much stuffed it into the back of my mind, but it always sort of lingered there. And it bothered me because I, I didn't really know what the connection was. But I think sometimes we can see things right in front of our faces and we don't really realize what it means until we look at it again. It's like a movie or a book. When you read or watch it again, you always pick up on new information. And I feel like this is what that is to me. And so I thought about this again the other day. And I was like, holy crap. This is kind of huge. If you believe that there was something, there was something making people ill, then this might be interesting to you. So let's say that maybe there was, because that was the whole rival thing, right? We know that there was no virus. We've discussed that many times on this show. No one's ever proven the existence of a virus. It's something they made up. That's clear to me, and I think many others by now. But I got... Endless comments during the scandemic about, oh, I felt like I got something new. You know, I never, never had anything like that. It just, it felt like something, you know. There were other factors, of course, like we know that they put these towers around the planet and those can cause sickness. We know that now. We know that 5G can cause illness. There are plenty of studies on that. But I've been studying a lot of cosmology in in the realm of occult sciences and, and, you know, esoterica. And it helped click some things into place for me. So before I really go into that, I want to read something from a book called The Invisible Rainbow. You may remember this book from one of my very first podcasts with the author, Arthur Furstenberg. It's a fantastic book. Uh, on the subject of electricity and how it pertains to us as living beings and the earth and it, it puts it all together. So here's a section called Influenza is an Electrical Disease. 
Suddenly and inexplicably, influenza, whose descriptions had remained consistent for thousands of years, changed its character in 1889. Flu had last seized most of England in November 1847, over half a century earlier. The last flu epidemic in the United States had raged in the winter of 1874 to 1875. Since ancient times, influenza had been known as a capricious, unpredictable disease, a wild animal that came from nowhere, terrorized whole populations at once, without warning and without a schedule, and disappeared as suddenly and mysteriously as it had arrived. Not to be seen again for years or decades, it behaved unlike any other illness, was thought not to be contagious, and received its name because its comings and goings were said to be governed by the influence of the stars. Now that little paragraph there in that particular sentence has haunted me since I read it in that book. Because I knew that there was something to that. And I couldn't figure it out. And I even asked Arthur. And, and, you know, he really didn't have anything to share on that. I thought, how interesting, you know, that there's so much power in the etymology of words. Influenza. The influence of the stars. There's a reason that words are are created in the way that they are. They always mean something, and I knew that. I knew that in my heart and soul, and I just couldn't figure out what it meant. Looking at the etymology of influenza here is really interesting. It says, used in Italian for diseases at least since 1504, on notion of astral, occult, or atmospheric influence. The 1743 outbreak began in Italy, often applied since mid-19th century to severe colds. For the sense development, compare Latin sideratio, blast, blight, palsy, from siderari, to be planet-struck, afflicted, as if by an evil star. Planet-struck, as if by an evil star. That was super interesting to me. And even the word influence itself has some very interesting stuff associated. It says late 14th century, an astrological term, streaming ethereal power from the stars when in certain positions, acting upon character or destiny of men. Emanation from the stars that acts upon one's character and destiny. Medieval Latin, meaning capacity for producing effects by insensible or invisible means under the influence. Very interesting etymology there. Let me continue reading here. But in 1889, influenza was tamed. From that year forward, it would be present always in every part of the world. It would vanish mysteriously as before, but it could be counted on to return at more or less the same time the following year. And it has never been absent since. Like anxiety disorder, influenza is so common and so seemingly familiar that a thorough review of its history is necessary to unmask the stranger and convey the enormity of the public health disaster that occurred 130 years ago. It's not that we don't know enough about the influenza virus. We know more than enough. The microscopic virus associated with this disease has been so exhaustively studied that the scientists know more about its tiny life cycle than about any other single microorganism. 
yeah, I'm just going to stop right here real quick. There's obviously no such thing as this tiny organism they're talking about. Pathogenic particles have never been proven to exist. Uh, we've covered that on the show. Please see episode 27. Please see my episode with John Blade. I mean, we've covered this. So they they create the conditions and cultures that they use to prove a virus exists. They've never isolated and purified one out of the liquids of a sick person and put it in a healthy host and cause disease. So that's just the usual bullshit that they that they put out there. If they're studying something, they're studying genetic garbage in a petri dish or something. I I don't know, but I want to put that in there in case there's any anyone new listening. But this has been a reason to ignore many unusual facts about this disease, including the fact that it is not contagious. In 2001, Canadian astronomer Ken Tapping, together with two British Columbia physicians, were the latest scientists to confirm yet again that for at least the last three centuries, influenza pandemics have been most likely to occur during peaks of solar magnetic activity, that is, at the height of each 11-year sun cycle. Such a trend is not the only aspect of this disease that has long puzzled virologists. In 1992, one of the world's authorities on the epidemiology of influenza, R. Edgar Hope Simpson, published a book in which he reviewed the essential known facts and pointed out that they did not support a mode of transmission by direct human-to-human contact. Hope Simpson had been perplexed by influenza for a long time. In fact... Ever since he had treated his victims as a young general practitioner in Dorset, England during the 1932-1933 epidemic, the very epidemic during which the virus that is associated with the disease in humans was first isolated. It wasn't isolated because none of them ever were. But during his 71-year career, Hope Simpson's questions were never answered. The sudden explosion of information about the nature of the virus and its antigenic reactions in the human host, he wrote in 1992, had only added to the features calling for explanation. Why is influenza seasonal, he still wondered. Why is influenza almost completely absent except during the weeks or months of an epidemic? Why do flu epidemics end? Why don't out-of-season epidemics spread? How do epidemics explode over whole countries at once and disappear just as miraculously as if suddenly prohibited? He could not figure out how a virus could possibly behave like this. Why does flu so often target young adults and spare infants and the elderly? How is it possible that flu epidemics traveled at the same blinding speed in past centuries as they do today? How does the virus accomplish its so-called vanishing trick? This refers to the fact that when a new strain of the virus appears, the old strain between one season and the next has vanished completely all over the world at once. Hope Simpson listed 21 separate facts about influenza that puzzled him and that seemed to defy explanation if one assumed that it was spread by direct contact. He finally revived a theory that was first put forward by Richard Shope, the researcher who isolated the first flu virus in pigs in 1931. No, he didn't. And who also did not believe that the explosive nature of many outbreaks could be explained by different contagion. 
Shope and later Hope Simpson proposed that the flu is not in fact spread from person to person or pig to pig in the normal way, but that it instead remains latent in humans or swine carriers who are scattered in large numbers throughout their communities until the virus is reactivated by an environmental trigger of some sort. Hope Simpson further proposed that the trigger is connected to seasonal variations in solar radiation and that it may be electromagnetic in nature, as a good many of his predecessors during the previous two centuries had suggested. When Hope Simpson was young and beginning his practice in Dorset, a Danish physician named Johannes Mij, at the end of a long and distinguished career, had just published a monograph in which he too showed that influenza pandemics tended to occur during years of maximum solar activity, and further, that the yearly number of cases of flu in Denmark rose and fell with a number of sunspots. Now that was also a little section that kind of haunted me, stayed in my brain and lingered there over the last three years. Why did they believe this about solar maximum? I was too focused on the fact that non-native frequencies can interfere with our native frequencies and make us sick. And I didn't think of the possibility that native frequencies or changes in native frequencies may affect us. Why would the sun make us sick? The sun is healing. It gives us vitamin D. It, it makes things grow, gives us food to eat. It's, it's the cause of life on the planet. But as we terrainists say, the sickness is the healing. So why should the sun be any different? Maybe the sun is causing us to do a little detox. Not in just the physical way you think of detox, but also a kind of spiritual detox. Well, I think the key to all this for me was studying Steiner and the occult sciences and their view of cosmology and their view of the development of the human being and the development of the soul, the evolution of the soul and consciousness. And I'm going to get into some of that in a few, but here is Hope Simpson's little study in Nature, 1978. He says, Sir, seasonality exerts a profound but ill-understood influence on epidemic influenza. North of the Tropic of Cancer and south of Capricorn, epidemics usually break out in winter when the relevant portion of the globe of the Earth is most distant from the sun. The purpose of this note is to call attention to a longer-term association of type A influenza with solar activity that has become apparent since human influenza virus was discovered in the epidemic of 1932-33, namely that the periods of world dominance of successive major subtypes of influenza A virus have synchronized closely with the periodicity of sunspots. The two sets of cycles are probably synchronized at least as far back as 1917. And again, we're not really concerned with what they say about viruses as we know they don't exist. So when he's talking about subtypes and all that stuff, none of that actually exists or has been found. Um, so we're really just uh, 
focusing on the occurrence of an illness, of a sickness that they call influenza, which is just people detoxing. Here's a study, correlation analysis between the occurrence of epidemic in ancient China and solar activity. And in the summary here, they say, this study uses long-term epidemic data from historical books to analyze the relationship with solar activity. The results show that the epidemic index and sunspot number have similar periodic changes. The trend change consistency is also apparent in the non-high frequency signal. Of course, the factors affecting epidemics may be diverse and complex, and more interdisciplinary research is needed in the future. However, this study promotes studies of long-term changes in the epidemic. It lays a foundation for the future search for the relationship between epidemic and solar activity changes and the mechanism of long-term changes in epidemic to provide early warning features to humans. So it does admit to a strong correlation there. And not only to solar maximum, but solar minimum, if I'm reading that correctly, uh, because it says uh, also apparent in the non-high frequency signal. And so it even suggests studying future solar activity as a way to monitor future epidemics or pandemics as an early warning. Now, this study was super interesting to me. It's called Solar Cycles and Their Relationship to Human Disease and Adaptability, which is on par with kind of what I want to, where I want to go here. So just briefly in the discussion, it says, in this paper, we show that 11-year solar cycle peaks predispose humans to disease, probably by UVR mutation of the genome. It is also clear that UVR is not always harmful. Jumping over to the conclusions... It appears unlikely that there would be only a chance association with causality for all the above observations for such a wide spectrum of diseases in so many persons over seven solar cycles. We propose that solar radiation peaks are the prime cause for genetic disruption of all life, including man by means of direct mutation as well as immunological stress due to intensity and variability of sunlight, especially UVR. The benefits in humans of a creative complex brain probably also come with genetic variations in the soma expressed as disease, particularly with aging. Jumping around a little bit here, uh, it says we have presented evidence that a predisposition to disease must be generated at the very beginnings of life, even as early as the first month of gestation. And they they connect it to, you know, a lot of different illnesses and mental illness. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, a lot of this stuff is above my pay grade here. And you really have to dig through the BS of, of uh, mainstream science too. But it says the notion that biological systems on Earth are very complex systems with chaotic and fractal self-similarity at all scales features reflecting patterns in the sun. So it's interesting that they've found a link between the sun's radiation and our genome. They've connected it to our DNA and changes in our DNA. And what is everybody saying lately? You see a lot of... I mean, even in the new age, people are like, oh, our DNA is being upgraded, right? So what's interesting to me is that in 2020, at a time where, let's say, the sun was exhibiting some new light, some new frequency of light that was upgrading all of humanity, 
they chose that year to release an mRNA gene therapy, new gene therapy, what were they trying to combat? I know it wasn't a virus, you know? It's just an interesting connection there. And I discussed in episode 52 how it wasn't necessarily done chemically or however they say it was being done with mRNA, but it was more about manipulation of energy because that's what our DNA is at its very foundation. I think it's a manipulation of energy. That's why they're using radiation. So if there's a natural radiation from the sun and they were doing something with graphene and causing their own radiation... And meanwhile, putting up, you know, terraforming the earth with this 5G frequency. Are they, are they trying to stop the natural evolution of humanity? What are they trying to do there? There's something there, right? Intuitively, I feel it. The last study I want to show you is called Revealing the Relationship Between Solar Activity and COVID-19 and Forecasting of Possible Future Viruses Using Multi-Step Autoregression, MSAR. The conclusion here states, Regarding the results of this study, we found that sunspots are the main cause of virus generation in the world. This research reveals that the biological and astrophysical mechanisms are related to the generation of world pandemics such as COVID-19. This study indicates that the emergence of pandemics like COVID-19 outbreaks would be linked with the extremum of the sunspot cycle. Potential mechanisms are explored by which sunspot behavior can affect human outbreaks. Furthermore, we propose that the next peaks in the sunspot cycle could act as a potential alert for future pandemics. Again, there's no virus generation, obviously. They're just going off of whatever effect whether it's like cases or, you know, sickness, however they're defining that. Uh, and of course, you know, these studies aren't perfect because of these issues, you know, because we really don't have viruses. We only have uh, people who are uh, having something happen, you know, they're having a detox or, uh, and sometimes, you know, it can be hard to gauge what is happening because they're using or they were using a fake test, you know, which doesn't really test for anything, just blows up genetic material. But yeah, there does seem to be a correlation, a strong correlation between sunspots and solar maximums and minimums with sickness. And as that previous study said, it's kind of a complex and diverse issue. So I don't pretend to know exactly how this works. There seems to be some variation in that solar maximum can cause an issue and solar minimum can cause an issue, but not always. And perhaps it depends on other factors. Like we always talk about how certain cycles of the moon can affect us. Well, why would the sun be any different? So maybe there's some other planetary attributes uh, that contribute to the appearance of influenza and disease. And I want to be clear again, I don't want to villainize the sun at all. I don't think it's like 
this evil force making us sick necessarily. I think that it may, in the natural evolution, cause us some symptoms or cause some people some symptoms as part of their growth, maybe. But I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing out ideas. And obviously there was a lot to the whole COVID-19 psyop, right? We know that they instilled fear in people. We know that there was the, the nocebo effect happened to a lot of people. And, you know, that fear and anxiety could manifest illness, could manifest the very same symptoms they were talking about. We already mentioned 5G. So, you know, there's a lot of variability and complexity here. And I don't think some big new pandemic of any kind happened. I think, if anything, it was what we normally call influenza with a 99.98 survival rate. But it seems as though it was something of an opportune time for them to, to do this, to run this PSYOP. And that's my question. Why, at solar minimum, was it, was it an opportune time for them? What did it add to the equation? And maybe from there they added on their own multiple layers to create this thing that we called COVID. Now, we talked a lot about Rudolf Steiner in my episode 52. And he said something interesting about solar eclipses that I wanted to mention. He says, when we know that on the one hand, the rays of the sun penetrate down to the earth, and on the other hand, the forces or rays of will stream out to meet the sun, it is possible to form some idea of how a solar eclipse can affect these radiations of will, which are altogether spiritual in their nature. Under normal conditions, the evil impulses of will, which are sent out into the cosmos by human beings, are, as it were, burned up and consumed by the rays of the sun, so that they can injure only man himself, but can do no universal harm. When, however, there is an eclipse of the sun, Opportunity is given for the evil which is willed on earth to spread over the cosmos. An eclipse is a physical event behind which there lies a significant spiritual reality. And again, when there is an eclipse of the moon, the man of today merely says, now the earth comes between the sun and the moon. Hence, we see the shadow cast upon the moon by the earth. One of the safety valves which makes its appearance in the cosmos and to which we give the name of a solar eclipse serves the purpose of carrying out into space in a luciferic way the evil that spreads over the earth in order that evil may work havoc in a wider, less concentrated sphere. The other safety valve, the lunar eclipse, exists for the purpose of allowing the evil thoughts which are present in the cosmos to approach those human beings who are desirous of being possessed by them. So just another example of an astronomical event that has a great spiritual significance, at least in the eyes of Steiner. And, I mean, this is, you know, repeated throughout occult science. They believed in uh, this planetary system, that the planetary system was a sort of spiritual system. Uh, and it is part of our evolution. This is part of the, the mechanics. And... Steiner and others believed that the moon was part of the earth at some point, and it separated as sort of a mitosis of good and evil. And the moon is basically like the darkness left over, or the lower form of consciousness on the planet. And this is how 
the evolution of planets works. And we are potentially going through that now. I also found this little piece in the Austin American Statesman about the Mayans regarding solar eclipses, which I thought was fascinating. It says the Mayans had this religious ritual dictate that any cycle in heaven had to fit perfectly with the cycles of the human body and other cycles that we don't pay attention to. It's interesting, the Maya believed that solar eclipses were symbols of destruction. In the Dresden Codex, which is one of the remaining texts of the Mayans, uh, the sky is portrayed with two eclipses and a great flood spilling out. And they very much associated floods with the end of the world. And during a solar eclipse, the dark moon slowly encroaches on the sun, creating the illusion that the sun is being eaten. So the Maya depicted the cataclysm destruction of an eclipse as uh, a demon biting the sun. And uh, to prevent the cataclysm, uh, the Maya nobility, who were considered to have um, the blood of the gods, would engage in human sacrifice rituals and prayer and things like that. It's just another example of this great duality of the moon and sun. And I tend to think that it has something to do with this, the evolution of the planet, that, you know, the reason we have these cataclysms or great floods uh, or resets is because it's the natural evolution of the earth returning to balance. Here's another quote from Steiner. Men will only achieve results in the sphere of health, hygiene, and medicine if they study not historical but cosmological symptoms, for the diseases we suffer on earth are visitations from heaven. In order to understand this, we must abandon the preconceived ideas which are prevalent today. Very interesting. And here's another longer piece from Steiner regarding the sun. And this was all from the early 1900s. People have always imagined that the bubonic plague was spread by rats, but bacilli as such are of course in no way connected with disease. In phenomena of this kind, we must realize that just as behind the symptoms of history we are dealing with psychic and spiritual experiences, so too behind somatic symptoms we are dealing with experiences of a cosmological order. In other cases, the situation of course will be different. What is especially important here is the rhythmic course of cosmic events, and it is this that we must study. We must ask ourselves, in what constellation were we living when in the 90s the present influenza epidemic appeared in its benign form? In what cosmic constellation are we living at the present time? By virtue of what cosmic rhythm does the influenza epidemic of the 90s appear in a more acute form today? Just as we must look for a rhythm behind a series of historical symptoms, so we must look for a rhythm behind the appearance of certain epidemics. In the Solfatara regions of Italy, one need only hold a naked flame over the fango hole and immediately gases and steam escape from the dormant volcano. This shows that if one performs a certain action above the surface of the earth, nature reacts by producing these effects. Do you regard it as impossible that something takes place in the sun, since its rays are directed daily towards the earth? which has significance for the earth emanations and is related to the life of man, and that this reaction varies according to the different geographical localities? Do you think that we shall have any understanding of these matters unless we are prepared to accept a true cosmology founded upon a knowledge of the soul and spirit? 
The statement that man's inclination to resort to war is connected with the periodic appearance of sunspots is, of course, regarded as absurd. But there comes a point when statements of this kind cease to be absurd, when certain pathological manifestations in the emotional life are seen to be connected with cosmological phenomena such as the periodic appearance of sunspots. And if all the stuff so far wasn't interesting enough, here's an article from Express, published January 25th, 2020, entitled, Coronavirus Could Turn to Global Pandemic as Freak Solar Minimum Means Outbreak Imminent. I mean, it doesn't get any more clearer than that. Coronavirus could spread into a global pandemic due to a freak slump in solar activity, with experts warning of a spike in potentially deadly viruses. Yeah. The deepest sunspot minimum for more than a century is about to force the sun into partial hibernation, they say. Public health authorities have been warned to be vigilant with the phenomenon linked to historic viral pandemics. Previously unseen strains could emerge through the coming months while existing ones turn super virulent, according to a report in Current Science. The news comes as coronavirus rips through China, rapidly infecting more than 800 people. While not naming coronavirus specifically as being caused by the solar minimum, experts say the weaker magnetic field caused by the drop in sunspots gives ground for new viruses to emerge. God, they always got to make it about viruses. Lead author Chandra Wickramasing of the Buckingham Center for Astrobiology said a global virus pandemic is imminent. On the basis of sunspot numbers, this could have serious consequences globally during the coming months. The solar slump is causing the Earth's magnetic field to weaken, allowing biological entities, including DNA, to fall to the planet's surface. Scientists believe infective agents originating from comets and other planets inhabit near space in a type of soup, the so-called panspermia theory. While they can naturally drift towards Earth, they are largely held at bay by magnetic fields which are strengthened by solar activity. The imminent reduction in solar activity will knock a chink in this armor while opening the floodgates to a flux of cosmic rays. Another aspect is mutations induced by cosmic rays and biological infections, infectious agents already here. This could give them new characteristics and making them super virulent. It would be prudent for public health authorities the world over to be vigilant and prepared for any necessary action. Previous viral pandemics have coincided with periods of low solar activity, although scientists have struggled to find a definitive link. However, they now think the effect of the sun or magnetic fields affects solar winds and the flow of charged particles, including bacteria and viruses. The professor said, now with space exploration and continuous monitoring of space weather, it is evident that the Earth's magnetosphere and the interplanetary magnetic field in its vicinity are modulated by the solar wind that in turn controls the flow of charged particles onto the Earth. There appears to be a case for expecting new viral strains to emerge over the coming months. There are many claims that the occurrence of pandemic influenza and other viral outbreaks is correlated with the 11-year sunspot cycle. We need hardly be reminded that the specter of the 1918 devastating influenza pandemic stares us in the face from across a century. And of course, during that uh, supposed pandemic, they released a new electrification of the Earth. 
I believe it was uh, it was either radio or radar. I can't remember which. So there's obviously a lot of BS in there about bacteria and viruses, unfounded stuff. But it's interesting that they are forewarning about something. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is covered by their scientism crap, which usually, you know, tries to uh, cover up the spiritual aspect of things. And they do, again, point to sunspots. And very fascinating that they say whatever is happening could create a mutation in biological organisms. So we're back at the DNA thing. So it could be that it's not every solar minimum or every solar maximum that that has an effect. Maybe it's over a span of time. Maybe that there's there's something being charged up over time uh, that has an effect. I really don't know. But there seems to be, again, some strong correlation I want to play a video from our friends at NASA real quick. And I know, <laughs> believe me, I'm not a fan of NASA, and I don't think all the stuff they show us is true. There's a lot of CGI involved with NASA. So let me preface this with saying I don't know what all is real or fake with NASA, but I think that they can see the sun through their telescopes. I think they can see like some sort of picture enough to get sunspots and all that. Do I think the photos they show of like high resolution sun are real? No, <laughs> those are CGI. Like a lot of the pictures they show of the sun are absolute bunk. Uh, but I think that they can get some sort of like vague picture of spots on the sun. And who knows what sunspots actually are, but they seem to correlate. So that's why we're talking about them. This is a video from 2017. But astronomers have long known that this is not true. The sun does change. Properly filtered telescopes reveal a fiery disk, often speckled with dark sunspots. Sunspots are strongly magnetized and they crackle with solar flares, magnetic explosions that illuminate Earth with flashes of X-rays and extreme ultraviolet radiation. The sun is a seething mass of activity. Until it's not. Every 11 years or so, Sunspots fade away, bringing a period of relative calm. This is called solar minimum, says Dean Pesnell of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, and it's a regular part of the sunspot cycle. The sun is heading towards solar minimum now. Sunspot counts were relatively high in 2014, and now they're sliding toward a low point expected in 2019 to 2020. While intense activity such as sunspots and solar flares subside during solar minimum, that doesn't mean the sun becomes dull. Solar activity simply changes form. Streams of solar wind flowing from coronal holes can cause space weather effects near Earth when they hit Earth's magnetic field. These effects can include temporary disturbances of the Earth's magnetosphere, called geomagnetic storms, auroras, and disruptions to communications and navigation systems. There are unique space weather effects that get stronger during solar minimum. For example, the number of galactic cosmic rays that reach Earth's upper atmosphere increases during solar minimum. Galactic cosmic rays are high-energy particles accelerated toward the solar system by distant supernova explosions and other violent events in the galaxy. Pesnell says that during solar minimum, the sun's magnetic field weakens and provides less shielding from these cosmic rays. 
So NASA also foretold the solar minimum that happened in 2020. And they describe it the same way, pretty much, that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because it's a solar minimum that it has no effect. They say it's a lack of shielding and it does uh, it can have an effect on the Earth. So, of course, their explanation could be scrutinized. You know, the way that they present things, I don't know. Again, don't trust NASA. But I think that often they do give us truth and it's wrapped in a lot of, you know, superficial bullshit, uh, you know. So it's it's difficult to say exactly what they're really talking about. But I think with this stuff, there is a lot of truth just spun in a different way or represented in a different way. So that's why I'm choosing to talk about, you know, some of this mainstream stuff. Because you can, like I've said before, you can kind of pull apart uh, the truth from the bullshit if you have an eye for it. And I think it's a mistake to think that everything they say is false. You know, like the people who think space is fake, right? Just because NASA lies about some things doesn't mean space is entirely fake. I think it's really a mistake that people are making, and, I, and I've made a point of this in my last podcast on the 8th Sphere. I think it's more beneficial to look at it as, you know, what are they covering up with science? What are they taking that spiritual and dressing it up as material? Because to me, that's often what they do. One thing I do know is about liars, right? And the best liars know that telling lies based on truths are the best lies. And that's what they do. So a lot of this has a basis in truth, in some sort of truth. It's very rarely, I think, just a flat-out lie. You know, even the Bible, I think they took real information and and they spun it their way. They invert things. That's their thing, right? We talk a lot about the Satanists on this show. They invert, right? They don't just come up with, they're not creative. These, these beings, these people running whatever they are, <laughs> the, running the planet, they ha don't have the creativity to really create so they invert they take what's true and they spin it that's why i've made it a point to actually study the cult the cult that runs the show because then you truly understand their mode of operation and how they present things it's a character study and one thing i know about these people this cult is that they're obsessed with astrology, with astronomy. The planets and stars have always played a huge part in what they do. And most of all, they're obsessed with the sun and perhaps taking over the divinity of the sun. And this leads me to the other thing that was nagging at me for the last three years. I know etymology and words are important to this cult. And they don't name things for no reason. They put a lot of thought behind it. The name of the virus, coronavirus. 
I was like, why? Why is it called Corona? And I don't believe and didn't believe that it was because the virus looks like a Corona or it has spike proteins or whatever nonsense. My first thought when I heard that was the sun. But it, again, it didn't compute. I I threw it in the back of my mind. But that's the key. Corona. They are worshiping the sun. They are and have been a solar cult for thousands of years. And they love perverting the sun because the sun is Christ. We've spoken about religion on the show. Jesus represented the sun, the most high, the light of the world. Here's an amazing find from the CDC themselves. The concept of the crown and its potential role in the downfall of coronavirus. What a strange thing for the Centers of Disease Control to put out in September of 2020. And they've got Helios, the sun god, right on the cover. They're telling you. Our modern-day corona conceptualization of club-shaped spikes on the coronavirus surface comes from traditional representations of crowns as radiate headbands, worn as symbols of sovereign power to liken that power to that of the sun. Solar deities have been integral in the development of cultures across the world. So it's all about the sun and the power of the sun, the exalted state of the sun and the light of God, and the perversion of that. That's why they've had this ritual crowning kings and queens forever now. Crowns represent the sun. The coronations, right? We still have these douchebags in the UK going through coronations. Christ is a stream of consciousness, and the light is giving us that information in esoteric studies In occult science, the sun is part of a solar chain filtered down from the Godhead. And that is information, that is light information filtered onto us. And it's part of the evolution of the human being, of our consciousness, of our soul in the solar system, S-O-L. It means soul, S-O-U-L. It's telling you You're a part of this system of evolution. We evolve with the earth. That's why we're part of the mineral kingdom. So there's this great evolution happening. And the sun, the light of the sun, streams down according to the density of the planet. We are on the most dense planet, the most material, hard matter. But we are evolving. The earth is evolving. We're evolving with it. And we're going into a more spiritual form. We're ascending out of matter now. And so the sun is going to change and it's going to stream down a more potent form of light. And these people have turned away from Christ. They've turned away from the light, away from spirit, away from morality. And it's a little bit painful when people do that. That's why in my Eighth Sphere podcast, We talked about the fallen beings, right? They're fallen because they've turned away from the light, from God's source energy, from Christ. They don't want to 
um, answer to their transgressions because they know it will be painful. And so what is that, how does that pain present itself? In its most basic form, maybe that misalignment with the proper consciousness presents itself as a detox in the physical world. But I'm sure that's a lot more painful for evil, fallen entities or spirits. And they encode this in the Bible, right? Only through Christ can you enter the kingdom of heaven, right? There's so many scriptures. Matthew 18, 2-4. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you are pure of spirit like a child, you will ascend out of matter into the kingdom of heaven, into the higher planes of consciousness. Matthew 19.22-24 Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He's talking about being materialistic, being attached to matter, material things. If you strip yourself of those superficial wants, you become more spiritual and you will ascend. Corinthians 15.50 Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And there's another translation that says the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. So if you are locked into the physical form, into matter, you're attached to the matrix, to maya, the illusion, then you cannot ascend into a more spiritual form. And I want to remind you what Christians have been saying all this time. Christ is coming back, right? The Son of God. And S-O-N is an original spelling for S-U-N, if you look at the etymology. And I've discussed that before. So Christ is coming back, but not like they think. It's a new spiritualized light as part of our evolution, as part of ascending out of matter into a more spiritualized form. And I know it sounds kind of new agey, but even the new age stuff, when they talk about ascending to 5D consciousness, that's all based on this stuff, but that it's all muddied up and perverted kind of. But when you look at all this stuff, that's what I'm talking about when, when I'm saying pull the truth from the bullshit because there's there's a lot of different versions of the real story. You just got to find out what's what. But they all talk about, you know, in Christianity, the end of days and Christ's return. It's all allegorical. The Bible is a great book, just not if you read it like a children's story. You have to understand what they're what they're talking about, what they've encoded in there. These people who are reading it like a fairy tale, 
Uh, they're doing a disservice to themselves. Really. It's time to stop that nonsense. It's not going to help you. They, they, they twisted it and inverted it just like everything else so that you follow it literally in every way instead of really getting the real message that they encoded for themselves in the mystery schools. It's a playbook. And so this idea of remaining pure and spiritual, away from greed and materialism, this is represented in other places. The Hopi have this prophecy of the two-path. The Hopi prophecy stone depicts two lines or two paths. The straight line being the path of spiritual enlightenment away from technological advancement, greed, materialism, being locked into matter. And the other path that trends upward is the opposite. Those that get taken and captured by uh, the sort of AI agenda that's happening, the, the greed in materialistic advancement of the world. So again, one path is the uncorruptible, the spirit. And the upward path is the corrupted, the matter, the most dense existence. The time where we're facing, according to Hopi, that we are now coming, a lot of us are going up to a material path. We, we're just forgetting the spiritual thing. We disturb nature so much. They're fighting and warring and they're quarreling and people with the same language. And they were testing out a lot of things in our own way because we got so, so smart, intelligent now that we're going to be starting making people ourselves now. Found in, in record there, there are some people now trying to make people in test tubes and they're eating pills now. I think we're going better ourselves. All those things are going to take place at this time. It's known to the Hopi. And if you think the Hopi don't know what they're talking about, well, they have a pretty good track record when it comes to prophecies. We, we, we will be talking to each other through cobwebs. And he shook his head and said, I don't understand what that meant. And then, then some young fellow told him that that's a telephone line. You know, you look up in the sky, it looks like a uh, cobweb up there. We're talking to each other. And pretty soon, uh, there'll be a time we close everything in a room, talking, doors and windows. But way over the mountain someplace, somewhere will be talk hearing us talking. And I can't understand that, he said. Then the, again, and this one fellow told him that, that must be radio or TV. And then uh, these uh, periods, inventions, will show where we are in this life as we go along. Then he said, there'll be road in the sky. And he shook his head. He said, I don't, how, I don't see how anybody could build a road way up in the sky where people will be traveling. But they found out that it was airplane that be having a road up there, pe carrying people up there. So those prophecies have seemed to come true. He's talking about a web that we'll be talking through that could be phone lines or it could be the World Wide Web, right? The internet, very prominent these days. And they even had a prophecy about airplanes and roads in the sky, right? And who knows, maybe there's 
more roads in the skies to come with all the technology they're trying to divulge now with the whole alien narrative. I think part of that is that they want to finally introduce some of that tech that they've had forever into the mainstream. I want to play one last little tidbit here where he talks about the sun. We, we, we may come to that at this period when the sun will rise, it's blood red someday, sets blood red someday. I've not seen that. It's already polluted so much in the east and west coast that when the sun comes out, you're going to see it real bright red coming out. Sun, blood red. Now, the Hopi have their own kind of end time prophecies. One of them is the Red Star Kachina, which is the day of purification. It's sort of their own version of Revelations, where the fourth world ends due to a worldwide cataclysm. I'm going to read from Last Cry, a book by Dr. Robert Ghost Wolf. Uh, so this is going to take a few minutes, but it's very interesting. Not far behind the twins will come the purifier the Red Star Kachina, who will bring the day of purification. On this day, the earth, her creatures, and all life as we know it will change forever. There will be messengers that will precede this coming of the purifier. They will leave messages to those on earth who remember the old ways. The messages will be found written in the living stone through the sacred grains and even the waters. Crop circles have been found in ice. From the purifier will issue forth a great red light. All things will change in their manner of being. Every living thing will be offered the opportunity to change from the largest to the smallest thing. Those who return to the ways given to us in the original teachings and live a natural way of life will not be touched by the coming of the purifier. They will survive and build a new world. Only in the ancient teachings will the ability to understand the messages be found. It is important to understand that these messages will be found upon every living thing, even within our bodies, even within a drop of our blood. All life forms will receive the messages from the twins, those that fly, the plants, even the rabbit. The appearance of the twins begin a period of seven years which will be our final opportunity to change our ways. Everything we experience is all a matter of choice. Many will appear to have lost their souls in these final days. So intense will the nature of the changes be that those who are weak in spiritual awareness will go insane, for we are nothing without spirit. They will disappear, for they are just hollow vessels for anything to use. Life will be so bad in the cities that many will choose to leave this place, some in whole groups. Only those who return to the values of the old ways will be able to find peace of mind. For in the earth we shall find relief from the madness all around us. It will be a very hard time for women with children, for they will be shunned and many of the children in these times will be unnatural some being from the stars, some from past worlds, some will even be created by man in an unnatural manner, and will be soulless. Many of the people in this time will be empty in spirit. They will have sampaku, no life force in their eyes. As we get close to the time of the arrival of the purifier, there will be those who walk as ghosts through the cities. Through canyons they will have constructed in their man-made mountains. 
Those that walk through these places will be very heavy in their walk. It will appear almost painful as they take each step, for they will be disconnected from their spirit and the earth. After the arrival of the twins, they will begin to vanish before your eyes like so much smoke. Others will have great deformities, both in the mind and upon their bodies. There will be those who would walk in the body that are not from this reality. For many of the gateways that once protected us will be opened. There will be much confusion, confusion between sexes and children and their elders. Life will get very perverted, and there will be little social order in these times. Many will ask for the mountains themselves to fall upon them just to end their misery. Still others will appear as if untouched by what is occurring. The ones who remember the original teachings and have reconnected their hearts and spirit, those who remember who their mother and father is, the Pahana, who have left to live in the mountains and forest. When the purifier comes, we will see him first as a small red star, which will come very close and sit in our heavens watching us, watching us to see how well we have remembered the sacred teachings. This purifier will show us many miraculous signs in our heavens. In this way, we will know Creator is not a dream. Even those who do not feel their connection to Spirit will see the face of Creator across the sky. Things unseen will be felt very strongly. Many things will begin to occur that will not make sense, for reality will be shifting back in and out of the dream state. There will be many doorways to the lower world that will open at this time. Things long forgotten will come back to remind us of our past creations. All living things will want to be present for this day when time ends and we enter the forever cycle of the fifth world. We will receive many warnings allowing us to change our ways from below the earth as well as above. Then one morning, in a moment, we will awaken to the red dawn. The sky will be the color of blood. Many things will then begin to happen that right now we are not sure of their exact nature, for much of reality will not be as it is now. There will be many strange beasts upon the earth in those days, some from the past and some that we have never seen. The nature of mankind will appear strange in these times when we walk between the worlds, and we will house many spirits even within our bodies. After a time, we will again walk with our brothers from the stars and rebuild this earth, but not until the purifier has left his mark upon the universe. No living thing will go untouched, here or in the heavens. The way through this time, it is said, is to be found in our hearts and reuniting with our spiritual self, getting simple and returning to living with and upon the earth and in harmony with her creatures, remembering that we are the caretakers, the fire keepers of the spirit. Our relatives from the stars are coming home to see how well we have fared on our journey. So that's pretty crazy stuff. And since they mentioned strange beasts and spirits, you know I gotta inject a little weird stuff in here. <laughs> so I'm going to. Arizona Wilder was a woman who David Icke interviewed back in the 90s. And she came out saying that she was a part of satanic rituals and she saw very famous people and politicians shapeshift and 
turn into reptilians and that whole deal. And she has this old interview with David. And she says something really interesting that I couldn't help but connect to. These uh, rituals, which ritual seems to be important to them, uh, but they also use it in order to drink this blood. They seem to need more. Have you any idea why it's, in it's increased since the ages? Uh, so there are changes going on in the earth. It seems they're not able to hold their shape like they once were able to, and people see them shapeshift more and more, and they need the blood to try and maintain it, to try and maintain their human form. I believe there's a time coming that what I, what I, because of what I've been told, when they are not going to bother having to hold that human shape at, as they had to before. And they want that time to come. It's almost upon us. So she talks about the earth changing in like a progressive change, which is exactly what we're talking about, an evolution of the earth. And she said this in the 90s. And immediately I think of Albert Borla. We've discussed his situation on the show in a couple different episodes, I think. And he's got all these wacky interviews where his neck is just like expanding and contracting like he's some kind of lizard. And no one's been able to explain that to me. And if you, if you can do that with your neck, please... Uh, send me a video of it or tell me how it's anatomically possible and we can settle that. But that dude makes me believe in reptilians. I'm sorry. It makes me believe in exactly what Arizona Wilder is saying. Like we're at a point right now where the earth is changing, the sun is changing, and maybe the frequency, the new frequency of the sun is fucking with their frequency that holds them in their, you know, uh, in their state, their hidden state. I know this is out there stuff, but I, I like talking about this shit. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, it's in so many texts that we have to address it, right? I mean, we talk about the Nephilim in the Bible, you know, the Hopi talking about beasts and spirits and and people being overtaken by different entities i mean it's everywhere we got to think that something's happening now with the new alien disclosure you know they're trying to introduce something and it may be that they want to introduce alien life into the population even so they can walk around finally without hiding themselves I mean, it's so multi-layered. Who knows how many layers there are to it? I think, I know there are multiple. But I truly believe that we are in the last epoch of this earth. I think we are approaching the end times. Even in Hinduism, we're still in Kali Yuga, right? This is what it says about Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga 
is the fourth and worst of the four yugas in a yuga cycle, preceded by Vapara Yuga and followed by the next cycle's Krita Yuga. It is believed to be the present age, which is full of conflict and sin. Near the end of Kali Yuga, when virtues are at their worst, a cataclysm and a reestablishment of Dharma occurred to usher in the next cycle's Krita Yuga. Again, we're talking about virtues of Dharma, walking the spiritual path, and a cataclysm. Same thing the Hopi believe. Same thing in religious texts. Come on, something, something's got to give with all this stuff, right? There's got to be something to it. And the elites know something's going to go down. I mean, look at all of them buying underground bunkers. They're all set up for this. They're all set up for a huge cataclysm or, you know, an apocalyptic scenario. Why do you suppose that is? And look, none other than Mr. Bill Gates allegedly has himself some underground bunkers. What a coincidence. And all this stuff with the sun, you know, maybe I'd be able to shrug it off if it weren't for the fact that people like Bill Gates are trying to block out the sun. Now, why would they do something like that? And this whole climate change narrative, it's awfully convenient if you want to demonize the sun, right? They're going to start talking about how the sun is bad. You know, it's going to be starting all these fires. Sun is bad. It already gives you cancer somehow. It keeps you healthy and gives you vitamin D, but it also gives you cancer somehow. It all fits together if you really think about it. But they have been demonizing the sun since the beginning of time, right? To us common folk. They say, don't stare at the sun. Meanwhile, you get great health benefits for staring at the sun, for sun gazing, right? A lot of people do that. It's actually good for your eyes. No one's ever gone blind from looking at the sun. And the sun is healing in so many ways. We need to be out in the sun, they just want to tell you that it's bad for your health. And all the plebs in society will believe them. During COVID, they wanted you to do what? Stay inside. Stay safe. Don't go in the sun. Right? Very interesting. And I don't know how all this stuff works. You know what I mean? I'm just like spitballing for the most part. But there's a, there's a connection to the sun for sure. And maybe this putting up of the 5G towers everywhere was like a terraforming of the earth. Maybe it was to combat the new frequency of the sun in some way. And also at the same time introduces a another frequency that would make people sick. So I don't know where that begins and ends exactly. You know what I mean? But what is really interesting, and this is detailed in Arthur Furstenberg's book, Uh, that I read at the beginning of the podcast, The Invisible Rainbow states that uh, with every major pandemic, there has been an electrification, a new electrification of the earth. I'm going to read that part really quick. 
A large, rapid, qualitative change in the Earth's electromagnetic environment has occurred six times in history. In 1889, power line harmonic radiation began. From that year forward, the Earth's magnetic field bore the imprint of power line frequencies and their harmonics. In that year, exactly, the natural magnetic activity of the Earth began to be suppressed. This has affected all life on Earth. The power line age was ushered in by the 1889 pandemic of influenza. In 1918, the radio era began. It began with the building of hundreds of powerful radio stations at LF and VLF frequencies, the frequencies guaranteed to most alter the magnetosphere. The radio era was ushered in by the Spanish influenza pandemic of 1918. In 1957, the radar era began. It began with the building of hundreds of powerful early warning radar stations that littered the high latitudes of the northern hemisphere, hurling millions of watts of microwave energy skyward. Low-frequency components of these waves rode on the magnetic field lines to the southern hemisphere, polluting it as well. The radar era was ushered in by the Asian flu pandemic of 1957. In 1968, the satellite era began. It began with the launch of dozens of satellites whose broadcast power was relatively weak. But since they were already in the magnetosphere, they had as big an effect on it as the small amount of radiation that managed to enter in from sources on the ground. The satellite era was ushered in by the Hong Kong flu pandemic of 1968. The other two mileposts of technology, the beginning of the wireless era and the activation of High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, or HARP, belong to very recent times and will be discussed later in this book. So I think I got my answer a little bit there, though, in the first part, right? It says... In that year, exactly, the natural magnetic activity of the Earth began to be suppressed. So what are they doing with this? They're suppressing the natural frequencies of the sun. They're terraforming. And at the same time, it does introduce a non-native frequency, which also makes us sick. We have studies on that now. So just to reiterate here, I don't think there was any pandemic. I don't think the sun was really causing any great disturbance. I think, if anything, certain people did have maybe some minor symptoms. And what do we see? It's interesting in popular lore. You know, we have things like vampires. They can't go out in the sun, right? It's always evil creatures that get affected by the sun. Not to mention the ones that drink blood to survive. If the sun is Christ light, then maybe it would affect only certain people who are of a certain consciousness or a certain spiritual magnitude. Same thing you see in like horror movies when they throw holy water on a possessed person. Right? Where does that come from? So maybe there was a slight adaptation happening. Maybe it caused like some breathing issues or, you know, some minor symptoms, some minor flu-like symptoms even. But it was nothing like they said it was. 
Because for the most part, if you went outside and you didn't watch the news, I don't think you would know anything was happening. But there is a connection, and I think that they were suppressing the natural evolution of the planet and humanity along with it. And that's the best kind of synopsis or conclusion I can come to at this point. But maybe you guys can help me out. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think happened, what you think about this whole sun connection. And maybe someone can pick up the slack on this and, and figure out more and, and read the studies with a, with a keener eye than mine. And one concerning aspect of this is that we are headed for a solar maximum coming in early 2024, 2025, somewhere in that vicinity. So that may be a time where we want to stay on our toes. And what's interesting is if you read the articles on this solar maximum stuff, they do say that it's possible that it could knock out electric grids. It could take out electronics, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So that is definitely concerning to me. And if you've been paying attention for the last few years, since about 2020, I think, they've had these little news reports about possible cyber attacks and blaming it on Russia or I don't know what they would blame it on. Maybe aliens. Who knows? The world is their oyster. All we can do is stay informed. But, you know, sometimes they do give us little clues in the news even a few years ahead of time. So you got to really pay attention. And I think if there's something going to happen with a solar maximum, they could use that opportune time. And, you know, that's what they do. They they kind of ride the wave of natural occurrences and they they bend it to their agenda. Not to mention the SPARS pandemic. There was documents on that, right? That was supposedly 2025. There was some other exercise about a new pandemic. So who who knows? I I hope that they wouldn't try that one again. I think it's going to be more about climate change, honestly, but I, they got so many things in their back pocket, you know? I think that they're constantly testing us to see what what'll work best. So, yeah, stay on your toes. I want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys found this informative. Please let me know in the comments what you thought. And as always, I am 100% funded by people like you. So if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do that via the link in the caption at buymeacoffee.com slash Patrick Black. And hey, if you want to do me a favor and you enjoy the show, please do leave me a five-star review on Spotify. It helps other people find the podcast. If you're on Apple, leave me a nice little written review with lots of emojis. I would love that. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Keep your noses clean.